Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we are here to discuss a great number of many things. We've got uh, basically the backup. Normally we do our episodes in two halves. Well, this time we decided to break it up into two complete episodes. So we're going to kick this one off with Power Pack number 12, which uh, has a title of underground and it's kind of a it's kind of the beginning of a two-parter which ends next week yeah and uh i enjoyed reading this but i kind of found it unnecessary okay here's the thing i really liked this issue and the and i I was trying to figure out why and i think the reason why is because it actually feels more like an x-men issue than a power pack issue um the X-Men are, and the relationship with the X-Men and the Morlocks were kind of spot on. Yeah, no, I I, dis, I, I agree with that. I agree with what you're saying. Um, I'm just saying that when, when we actually cover uh, the next 195, I'll talk a little bit about why this issue, maybe, at least in my opinion, isn't isn't that important. But I'm glad that, that you found it. I didn't realize that this actually existed. Uh, and I am glad that we're reading it and covering it. But we'll talk more about that next week. But in the meantime, uh, th- I mean, I think one of the reasons that it's somewhat spot on is that it's written by Louise Simonson. And I don't know exactly what her relationship is with Chris Claremont. But I do know that, you know, she's soon to take on the reins of X Factor. I'm pretty yeah. sure she writes X Factor, right? Yeah. And so she, I don't know if she's doing studies or her research, but I know that she writes that well. And that's all Mutant Universe X-Men stuff. Uh, so it, I guess to me... It makes sense that she does a good job here. So there you go. <laughs> but yeah, this story kicks off because um, I guess the Power Packians they they tucked their books away um, because of a fight they had maybe last issue. We don't I don't think it really. Matters. Yeah, it would appear that they left their books in the storm drain, rescuing a kitten and fighting mutant alligators. Yes, uh, and they still have the kitten with them, and uh, now now they just need to go retrieve their books so that they can get home, maybe do some homework, and get into bed by a reasonable time. So they go back into the sewers, and the books are gone. And they're looking around, and they get ambushed by Morlocks. Yes, sir, they do. The, uh, the there's, do we know? Do you know? Can you name all these Power Pack kids off the top of your head? Oh no. Okay. <laughs> all um, right. There's their names are Alex is the leader, I think. He's the, he's the oldest. He he turns into a cloud, right, and flies around. No, that's the. I think that's the, one of the younger ones. Okay, a- Alex is the one that is in the white costume. Yeah, and his his name is G. Yes, his name is G, which is difficult yeah. to remember and also stupid. Um, <laughs> the, the guy Jack that, is the cloud one, and his his name is Mass Master, which is a cool name. I it, like that name. Mass Master is pretty cool. Then, um, then there's Katie Power. There's Katie and Julie are the two girls. I don't know Katie. One of them's Lightspeed. That must be Julie. And then I don't know what Katie's name is. So then Katie is uh, so Julie is the one then that turns into colors. Yes. And uh, flies around. Yes. So then Katie would be the one that absorbs things and casts light based on what she absorbs. She dis- disintegrates. She disintegrates. I think she disintegrates non-living or non, yeah, non-living things to create energy. And then with that energy, she can do things with that energy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know what G's powers are uh, other than he flies. I think he flies. I think he flies and he's got... Um, well, he, when he picks up the manhole, he says he degravitized the manhole cover, so apparently he can change the mass of things. He's got gravity powers, which is why he can fly. He can't fly fast, but he can levitate, and that's why he was able to uh, levitate that, that manhole cover. Okay, it's all coming together, folks. Bear with us. <laughs> 
So anyways, yeah, they are ambushed, in fact, by the um, by some Morlocks. you got Erg, and you've got uh, Pipe Flute Player. Piper, I think his name is. Uh, and then Beautiful Dreamer. Wow, that's, the only one I remember is Tar Baby. Oh, and Tar Baby, he's right there, full of tar. Uh, and uh, they are on a mission from Anna Lee. Remember her? No. Oh, you don't? Should I? Yeah, you should. What happened to Anna Lee? Because I... Because that backstory is fairly important. Does that backstory happen in that we've read? Absolutely. Don't you remember in the issue where Professor Xavier was saved by the Morlocks? He's hanging out in the alley and some people run up and they're like, they did it. They killed Annalise's kids, some surface dwellers. Really? Yeah. And and Callisto's like, you see, this is why we stay down here. You're not welcome in here. Get out of here. Oh, now, let, yeah. now let me drive you to with my train back to your mansion. Even even Louise Simonson is is uh, more together with the X Men than I am, which <laughs> makes sense. I mean, she's practically writing it. So yeah, I have to imagine that she and Chris Claremont had a quick conversation about this whole thing. Probably, but yeah. So definitely, that Annalie is important. It's all tied together. Um, yeah, and there's yeah, good good stuff. Um, this is where the X-Men come in. Uh, Kitty and Nightcrawler are here to deliver a letter from Storm, who has written from Africa. Uh, this, the letter's for Callisto. So in the main... And Kitty has also brought a present for Caliban. Oh, that's right. Yep. Uh, Callisto flirts a little bit with Nightcrawler. And Nightcrawler flirts back. A little bit, yeah. Kitty and gives... Kitty- gives her gift, which I really like this. I mean, this felt like Kitty and Caliban. Yeah. So she's like, oh, I feel bad just for bringing you a present. When Caliban wants your love, do not <laughs> torture yourself, Kitty Pride. I know I sound like Nightcrawler. <laughs> Kitty Pride, it is too good for me. All the other Morlocks come up. They're like, what? What does Caliban have? Caliban, Caliban, what does he have? It's a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Hot stuff, lover boy, says Callisto. Yep. So he puts on a shirt. It's like a rising sun shirt that says sushi on it um so kitty pride must have got it in japan it is definitely from japan i'm not sure what costume she's wearing but this is uh you know she's still trying out new costumes june brigman clearly did not talk with uh you know anybody <laughs> just drew something Maybe she was like, look, she looked back at Kitty and she couldn't find any particular costume. There was, oh, she must change costumes all the time. I'll just do this. Yep. Lockheed's Um, there too, by the way. There is a woman who in the upper left-hand corner says, so Cal, what's Storm say? Who is from the back looks like Storm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I noticed that. It's a bit odd. It is a bit out. And then the guy next to her kind of looks like the back of the professor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so As dressed like Indiana Jones. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so miles away in the, the, the sewer towers, the Morlocks are, are, well, they're trying to capture the power pack kids. And eventually they succeed. We find, yes. we find out that Erg's got the power to, like, absorb energy and shoot it out of his electric eye. Uh, tar babies, well, you know, tar. Everything sticks yeah. to him. He, gets, he sticks to things. Um, ape. Did we talk about Ape? We did not talk about Ape. But we didn't really know anything about Ape until now, I think. So Ape can turn into anything he can think of, but he can't think of much. So he has Tar Baby give him suggestions. He's he's my friend. He's really, really dumb. Yeah. But uh, yeah, as, as one of them uh, is escaping, um, Tar Baby says, turn into a jar. So he does. He turns into a jar and captures um, Katie, Julie. I don't know. Julie, Light, I think. 
light speed light speed um i don't know how i feel about ape <laughs> yeah he's kind of dumb well no he, <clears throat> i mean as like I, I don't know from a power set perspective i mean i understand why they created this character like if you're going to create a character that can turn into anything you should probably make a character that can't think of much otherwise you'd be like i'm a nuclear bomb and you're dead <laughs> all right um, or I'm sure there's another limitation where he can't be like a super complex device, but he can do anything. Like he's literally like a jar with arms and legs and he can pull his lid off, which contains his head. So his head is now no longer connected to his body and he captures light speed. So I don't know how I feel about that. And then he's walking around. He's got uh light speed in him as a jar. Mm -hmm. And then he turns his head into a funnel and sucks mass master into his jar as well. Yes. Um, the boys, uh, or I guess Ju Julie, Julie and, and G are also captured. Yeah, they're thrown into some duffel or some knapsacks uh, and, and slung over shoulders. And then they head back to uh, the Morlock tunnels because they're going to give these to Annalie. And as soon as they get rid of her, they will be able to get rid of Leech. That rotten little Leech. And do you remember what Leech does, Adam? Yes, his power is to leech powers of other people. Yeah. So they, the X-Men, are leaving as these Morlocks are showing up. And they actually walk right by each other. And Nightcrawler kind of is like, notices them and sees the kids and is just kind of, uh, actually he notices that um, Lockheed is, has taken a particular interest in Jar. <laughs> and Jarman? And, and Ape. And, uh, and the fact that Ape has taken hostage of two kids. Well... I think it's because as soon as he pulls his lid up because Lockheed is attacking him, the two kids escape so quickly that Nightcrawler doesn't see the two kids. Right. Or hear the two kids. Because kids are like, oh my god, there's too many Morlocks in here. We gotta get down this tunnel. So by the time the X-Men kind of go, or I guess Nightcrawler and Kitty uh, could even see if anything's going on, they've... Nightcrawler says, I'd have sworn there were children flying out of a walking jar. Who were those people? Right. And then Caliban's like, nope, uh, they're drain dwellers. Ain't no kids down here. Last kids we had was Annalise and they were killed. So no kids. You must have been mistaken about the children. Yes, Professor Xavier told us and we were saddened by your loss in Annalise. Yep. So the uh, Power Pack kids are free again, so they do, do a little bit more fighting. Uh, but ultimately, they they all fail because Leech walks into the room. Right, so everybody loses control of their powers. And then Annalie also shows up um, and is very happy that they uh, they have these kids. She She's the one who had their school books, so she knows all their names. Mm -hmm. And she's very excited that these are the particular ones they got. Uh, Leech takes the kitty cat. Yeah, instant interest in that kitty cat. Um, and I guess I can't remember where it was, but uh, Annalie's powers, and I guess I never really knew this, is that she is uh, an empath or the opposite of an empath where uh, she forces others to feel her emotions. Right. So when she's sad about her babies, everybody around her is sad about the babies. Right. Which is why Leech needs to be around her because she was getting so upset. Well, we're kind of spoiling everything. She was getting so upset that it was distracting everybody. So they had have to keep Leech with Annalie. Yeah. Uh, but now she's got her babies. So that's fine. She's got new babies. She's going to be happy. Uh, beautiful dreamer. She can help. She's kind of this old frail lady. Um, and, and what she can do is she can help replace memories so that they think that Annalie is their mom and that they came from the alley. Yeah, and they're they're also going to get Mask to come along and change their faces. Well, they got to become 
Morlock. Is she going to make them look like her other kids? No, maybe. But I would imagine that, well, I don't know, I guess. That's a good good question. Maybe. Maybe that's the plan. I always just assume that it was, you know, they they take her to mask, take the kids to mask, and the mask would just make them a little ugly so they could be more more Morlocky in. Okay. But I like your idea better. So the X-Men, uh, Nightcrawler and Kitty Pride leave Caliban behind and Nightcrawler says, uh, uh, we're going back. There was something fishy there. I, now that we're, now that we're, we're, uh, apart from Caliban and the Morlocks, we need to do some investigating. So back in the alley, the kids are all, uh, I think they're tied, they're tied up and, uh, Leech is kind of just standing there hanging out with the cat. Uh, nullifying their power so they really can't do anything. Um, the cat appears to have grown a grown a great fondness for Leech and, and likewise. Mass Master here, he can move his hands a little bit so maybe he can try to untie himself. Uh, Nightcrawler... So formulate a plan. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, which which um, I believe G, G formulates a plan if uh, Mass Master can manage to untie himself, which we will see after mm. Kitty, Kitty Pride and Nightcrawler show up. Yeah, they're just... Doing some investigation. Uh, they find a door. Kitty wants to phase through it, but she can't, so she thinks that Leech must be nearby. Um, oh, and I guess this is where we spoiled. They don't actually know what powers Annalie has. But yeah. They, but they wonder why Leech is there to block it. So Mask shows up to change their faces, but I'm assuming because Leech is there, he doesn't have any powers. Is this the first time we're meeting Mask? No, he she changed uh, Kitty's face. Oh, you're right. Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. So she's a uh, he. He comes in. He's about to change the power pack kid's face when I think it's Which he can't do because Leech is still there. Oh, that's right. Right. So maybe the maybe the plan was like Mask was going to get up there. Leech was going to walk away. Then he changed faces. I guess. I don't know. But uh, I think it's Julie Power. She gets up and she pushes Leech aside cause a distraction, grabs the cat, uh, and then the other kids, everybody runs away. She grabs the cat and Leech says, no, lonely. So sad. I feel bad for Leech. Yeah, I do too. It never gets better for him either. I thought, I think it does eventually. Maybe eventually, but it takes a long time. Doesn't he join the Fantastic Four? What? I mean, the, uh, the, the, the family. The the family yeah. cut cut to like the 2010s and i believe uh leech is hanging out with um franklin richards and all of the uh fantastic four kids oh that could be i wasn't really reading comics in 2010 so I, i'm pretty sure that's true okay I, I i'm not entirely sure that's true all right so now now kitty can phase through because leech must have uh uh moved and the kids are all um, escaping. Anna Lee is now sad, and so everybody else is getting sad. Jack, suddenly I feel miserable. And Nightcrawler even says, Kitty, can you feel it? Waves of utter misery. Fight it, blast you, and capture those kids, says Piper. Oh, says Ape. Gobble up those little tots, just like Pac-Man's little tots, says Tarbaby, who apparently yeah. speaks in rhymes. Yeah, I don't think that sticks. <laughs> and I don't even know if that's consistent throughout this whole issue. But In this issue, it's consistent. Is it? Okay. I don't think it stays that way, but I noticed that as well. So uh, Ape does turn into Pac-Man, which is kind of dumb. Well, it's, you know, it's Power Pack. It's a kid's comic. Good point. I think Good it's point. for younger kids. Good point. Um, yeah. So, Erg does some more shooting out of his electric eye. Nightcrawler teleports in. Um... Nightcrawler, look, there are kids, and they're younger than me, and they've got powers. Yeah. They're just like a power pack. 
<laughs> What's going on, mask? Cap kidnapping surface children? Don't worry, kids. We'll get you out of here. I'm Shadow Cat. They're the X-Men. They report to Storm, says Piper. Uh, so now they can't let him get free because they don't want to be told on, so they attack. And Leech is following uh, Julie Power. Mine, please give alone like poor Anna Lee. What's so poor about Anna Lee? Says Lightspeed. Uh, Nightcrawler is doing some flips and he wants to know why the kids were being kidnapped. Uh, Ape is still Pac-Manning around. Kitty uses a cool trick where she phases into the wall and convinces Star Baby to go after her, which makes Star Baby stick to the wall. And um, Mass Master says, oh man, I could probably do a trick like that. And Kitty says, I bet. Yep, she's bonding with the kids. Um... And Piper brings... Have we met Piper before? He was at the beginning of this issue, but I think this is his first appearance. Okay. So he brings... He, he plays his pipe and brings Bath, but then G says, it's the Piper. He uses his flute to call the alligators that live in the storm drains. So maybe he did that last issue? And I don't know. I didn't think they bumped into these guys in the last issue of Power Pack because they didn't seem to say they did, but maybe they did. Uh, there's a reference that... Uh, uh, Piper probably was the one that brought the mutant alligators. Because they heard music? I don't know. That's his power, right? He plays a flute and and, and animals are attracted to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of dumb, but yeah. Mass Master turns super small, but apparently super dense and knocks the flute out of his hand. Yeah. And so that's when Julie shows up. She's like, stop, look what I found out. Uh, and she talks about everything we talked about earlier, Annalise's Sadness, Leech, powers. Look, if you really want someone to love, Leech would be good. He needs lots of love and he's little. No, Leech is ugly. Anna Lee wants her pretty darlings. And Leech looks away with a little mm. tear in his eye that his new kitty friend licks up. Well, you, sad. well, you can't have us, says the Power Pack kids. Poor Leech of all the mean things to say, even if it's true. I've got an idea. Listen, here's yours. Take, says Leech. Julie says, nope, you keep him. You love him. And unlike some people, he'll love you back, says Mask Master. Referring to the kitty, of course. Yeah. And so Piper returns their books and their backpacks and says, yeah, um, we'll leave them alone. And so... I. Uh Nightcrawler decides not to tell Callisto um, because Kitty points out that if we tell Callisto, she'll throw them out of the Morlocks and then who knows what they'll do. Nightcrawler says, well, maybe I'll send Storm a postcard about the whole situation and see what she says. Mm -hmm. So they, uh, they go back up to the surface. They invite, I think they invite the kids to come study at Xavier's, but they're like, nah, we got our powers from an alien named Whitey, so we're not mutants. We're out of here. Do you think it was Whitey Ford, the rapper? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Zoom, they leave. And the uh, Power Pack kids get back to their house. Everybody else is asleep, so I wonder if the parents were like, where the hell are our kids? <laughs> um, but they uh, they change out of their clothes, they hop into bed, and then they talk a little bit about their adventure. And then they comment, oh, I think it's going to be a thunder and lightning night. And it turns out that at least Leech has someone to love, too, even if, even if, if it's only a cat. I just wish that Anna Lee wasn't so, so and cut to outside of the apartment and Annalie is still there watching them that's, forever. That's their light up there. Annalie's little darlings, fast, fast asleep. Don't worry, little pretties. Mama's watching over you and soon you'll be with me forever. See X-Men 195 for the conclusion of the story. So there you go.
There you go, indeed. Good stuff. If you've read X-Men number 195 but never read Power Pack number 12, well, we just got you covered. Zoom, that's what we do here at... Uh Danger Room, we, we, we get you covered. So, Speaking of getting you covered, uh, very quickly, I read a couple of, uh, of of stuff that I've been reading before that I haven't had to read in a while. Yeah. Uh, Alpha Flight number 23. Um, remember how in X-Men and Alpha Flight, um, Sasquatch had a weird kind of, he was losing control of his powers and stuff? Yes. Turns out that he was being man- invaded by a um, evil Canadian god monster. Okay. Who takes over his body, um, prompting Snowbird to also turn into a uh, Sasquatch because she's a shapeshifter, and she kills him. Holy crap! And uh, in but it turns out that he's still alive somewhere in the kingdom of the beasts, and they have to go rescue him. Tune in next issue. Okay. Um, in Captain Britain number six, where we left off was that the real Captain Britain was kidnapped and the fake Captain Britain was uh, attempting to take advantage of Betsy Braddock. Um, and looks like he's going to try to rape her. Jeez. Um, she does not have it, however, and in a series of uh, the issue is divided in the top half and the set of the bottom half. Um, the top half features um, Captain Britain, who has been uh, kidnapped by Sat- Saturnine, it turns out, and then he slowly realizes that this is actually not his reality, it's an alternate reality, um, and he manages to escape with the help of the person that kidnapped him, um, who is a definitely a recurring Excalibur character. I recognize this person. can't remember what their name is because I've never read Excalibur, but... Oh, well. <laughs> um, Betsy, uh, in order to stop the fake Captain Britain from abusing her, uh, and basically goes crazy. Uh, we get into her head and we get like, I, I think we get, we, get a, we get a super close up of her eyes. And it's a, it's a really cool kind of classic Betsy Braddock um, um, tele, tele, tele whatever. What is she, a telepath? Yes. So we get we get one of those, uh, you know, when she goes purple and you just see her head. Mm-hmm. So her eyes kind of do that, but her her mouth doesn't do that. And I don't know, it's a neat panel. I wish you could see it. <laughs> I can't really describe it because there's like a lot going on here. Um, and she basically wipes his mind and covered in sweat. She thinks to herself, "Brian, where are you?" It's a pretty pretty intense episode for Betsy. Sounds like it. Um, in Defenders 144, uh, I don't even remember what happens. <laughs> um, the bald girl fights Valkyrie, Valkyrie. Oh, the, the bald girl who is Moon Dragon has been taken over by a dragon demon who fights Valkyrie and her Valkyries. She brings on a whole, um, storm of Valkyries and they all battle. Oh, Angel is blind. That's important. Okay. Angel has been caused to go blind, um, and I guess they win. I wouldn't. Uh, Cloud uh, goes inside of Moon Dragon and strikes her with lightning, and I'm not really sure if she's. Looks like she's still alive. It was a quick issue. Okay. Um, which brings us to the Beauty and the Beast. Beauty limited series and the four issues that we are going to bang out very quickly. Um, the only one I really want to talk about is issue four. So if you want to like synopsize, sure. 
it's it's really not necessary to read this. Um, it is very poorly written. Um, <laughs> characters do not act like they normally do. Yeah. I'm kind of, I kind of like, I was sort of like, why, why does this need to exist? I felt bad for Dazzler because every time. She just keeps getting the short end of the stick. <laughs> so this this kind of echoes the same thing that happened in the Dazzler, the um, graphic novel, where she's offered an opportunity to have the starlight on her. And she does say, like, I've already had that. It didn't work out and I don't want to do it again. But the guy that, that's there is like, this time it'll be different. So she, she ends up getting pulled into this fold. And this fold turns out to be kind of a, well, at first it seems to be kind of like a um, um, like a mutant exploitation um, theater for mutants to go and sing and act and stuff. But it turns out to be much more, much deadlier. It turns out to be a gladiatorial ring where mutants fight one another, sometimes to the death. Uh, for for the people that can pay, I don't know, thousands of dollars for a seat to watch this. And it's compared... You ever watch Rollerball, the old Rollerball movie? Is that the one with... Uh, James Conn. Do they have the white... It's not, they, they all have white costumes when they're rollerblading? Uh, or is that Roller Babies? <laughs> I've never seen Roller Babies, and the only white costumes I can think of are um, uh, that that other movie with the four guys that that what the heck is that movie called? That that beat each other up and drink um, milk. <laughs> Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe, but I can't think of it. Yeah. Anyways, um, Rollerball. The whole idea behind Rollerball is that. Uh, in the future, oh, you're talking about the Stanley Kubrick movie. Yes, what's it called? Oh, um, Clockwork Orange. Thank you for my very poor description. You were able to pull that out. I'm very proud of you, yes, Adam. It was the milk that tipped. Me See, off. I knew it. Like I'd get there eventually. Uh, they wore white costumes, but they didn't. They, they did, but I'm pretty sure in uh, Roller Babies they wore white trench coats as they roller skated. Mm, never saw it, but it was ro- terrible. Roller Ball is actually I haven't seen it in a long time, and they remade it. But as I recall, it wasn't that bad of a movie. But it was it was basically like um uh they, they came up with this roller skating game uh that generally ended up with it was super violent uh and uh it was the way for society to let out their their steam basically if they can't be violent in their real lives at least they can go to a match like this and as compared to boxing and football uh etc so it was like what was that schwarzenegger movie the running man very similar to that as well except I think what the Running Man like that was your punishment if you did a bad thing. I guess it served well, they, two they purposes. Were all criminals or something, right? You were able to get rid of your criminals, and you were able to give the masses like a violent uh, outlet. Anyways, a lot of that's going on. None of that's even really important. The that's just kind of the backdrop for what what the series is really about, which is uh, I think relationships. Um, you've got a weird relationship between Doctor Doom and his son. Yeah, that's in there. No, you don't. <laughs> well, you you don't, <laughs> you but get, you do. In the first three issues, you get a page each of Doctor Doom walking around his castle, thinking about and 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 this poor butler who keeps like, "Hey, your son has done something again," and Doctor Doom's like, "Shut up." Well, poor butler. The butler turns out to be a robot, so it doesn't, doesn't matter. Yeah, he turns yeah. out to be a robot at the end. But even Dr. Doom's like, "Oh, sorry to do that to you robot butler." Well, no, the uh the guy that is managing the gladiatorial races turns out to be a a robot. I think he's also a robot. I think there's two robots in this story. Really? Wow. It doesn't matter. I Anyways, somehow totally missed the 
the butler being a robot. It would make sense. Of course the butler's a robot. Everybody's a robot. Yeah, when it comes to Doctor Doom. Uh, there's a relationship between Dazzler and Beast that irrationally forms, but there's a little panel at the end that maybe kind of explains it all. I don't know. We'll talk about that in a moment. And then there's the relationship between two uh, new mutants that we've never met before. One guy who has the ability to conjure a boogeyman who's actually himself, I think. It's and, never really explained. And then uh, the other guy can can do like psychic things, I think. Like he's also telekinesis. Uh, telekinetic. Yeah. And then they kind of form a relationship where uh the the, the whenever the one guy loses control of his I, I'm going to call it boogeyman, but that's not what how they write it. In the Poltergeist. Comic. Poltergeist. Uh, the other guy can come along and kind of clean it up with his telekinetic ability. So they form like a friendship. Um, and then they do one thing at the end of the comic to kind of create a distraction. And then Horsehead and um, Green Lady also sort of have a relationship. Yeah, that's right. There's two other mutants. There's a whole bunch of new mutants that we've never met before that are, that are like Horsehead, Green uh, and they all have different abilities and we never hear from them again and we've never heard of them. Um, so that's, it's, it's, it's a, it's a mess. The whole story is a mess. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not that it's a bad story. It's just that. No, it's a, it's a bad story. <laughs> it's just so poorly written. Like somebody, a, ta a more talented writer could have made something out of this material. Yeah, but I think the problem is is that the story shouldn't have existed the way it existed just because we already had Dazzler the graphic novel. And and really, like Dazzler is just kind of like a puppet throughout the entire issue. So she's being drugged this entire time uh, so that she loses control of her power. So anytime Beast convinces her, like, you shouldn't be here. Like, these people are not good for you. She's like, you're right. Somebody gives her some of this drug soda and then she loses control of her power. She's like, no, I only belong here. I'm a freak. Yeah, and Beast also is uh, fairly inaccurately portrayed. He is very insecure through most of this. Um, he's constantly rescuing Dazzler and constantly uh, thinks he's in love with Dazzler and throws a lot of pity parties for himself whenever she re rejects him. Yeah, it's written by Anne Nocenti, who she's she's a Marvel star. She should know better than this. I feel like this was another Jim Shooter idea where it was like, oh, we got to get the Dazzler out there. Uh, do a beast thing. We'll call it Beauty and the Beast. That's genius. And you're on this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. I, uh, what am I going to do? Um, there is one scene, and I don't know which issue uh, it's from, where they're at the Heartbreak Hotel, which is where Beast and Dazzler go mm -hmm. whenever they're uh, escaping from the gladiator ring. It sounds like issue uh, two, but carry on. To recover. And Beast encounters um, somebody whose powers are to change the colors, uh, like to change color palettes. And she's like, that's a really lame power. And Beast is like, no, that's a great power. I liked that scene just because it was because then Beast thinks to himself, oh, that makes sense that there would be mutants who's who don't necessarily have powers that are like are like uh, bombastic superhero powers like everybody else. And that was a neat concept that I, we may or may not have seen before. I don't the think first we have. time I recognized it, but I was like, ah, cool. This will that'll definitely be something that's brought up in the future. But uh, at this point, I think every time a mutant's brought into the story, it's because they're a new threat or a new asset. But you're right. There's, I think this is definitely the first comic where they're like, here, there's a bunch of mutants that like they got a power, but it's not going to save the world. Um, there's also another weird break. Uh, I think it's 
between uh, issues two and three. At the end of issue two, Dazzler's been reconvinced that she needs every issue. She gets reconvinced to stay with the gladiators, even though Beast spends the majority of the issue trying to talk her out of it. But then she goes back. So at the end of this issue two, Beast is like, I've had it. I'm not going to help anymore. And if you have any problems, you can look elsewhere because I'm not going to be there. I'm leaving. And so at the beginning of issue number three, they're just like on the beach making out Dazzler and Beast. I'm like, wait, is this? So the first time reading this, like, okay, this must just be like a dream sequence. But I'm like, no, it's not a dream sequence. Like they're well, hanging they, out. They, there's one throwaway line that explains it where they say, um, we decided to meet up after a couple of weeks just to see how things were. Yeah, which doesn't make any sense because he's like, don't look, don't bother looking for me. I won't be around. Well, right. But, you know, he, he reached out to her or she reached out to him and said, hey, do you want to, like, get together, maybe get a coffee? And he's like, ah, okay. Right. And which I guess, is, you know, it's, this is the Beast character in this miniseries. Right. And that just kind of re... Uh, invigorates her her wanting to to recess back or regress back to the gladiators because as they're walking along the beach everyone's like look there she's that's the dazzler she's a mutant and she's with a dog he's a freak they're all freaks and this is where it's kind of out of character for beast to be sort of insecure about this he starts feeling kind of wishy-washy about being a mutant just a total change of character for him yep okay works for the story so dazzler at one point is drugged to such a point where she threatens, like, she's, like, seriously going to kill somebody. And she's like, oh, did I just use those words? Is that me talking? Maybe I should get out of here. So she's being, like, doubly, doubly manipulated. Uh, it turns out that Dr. Doom's son, who is not necessarily his son, um, I, I don't know what, they keep talking about it, but I can't tell whether or not he actually is a blood relation. Dr. Doom refuses to believe he's a blood relation, so I don't know. Um, but he has a uh, sort of an uh, empathy power or a, a, a power that sways people to do whatever he wants them to do. Right. So she has that affecting her. But also there's a secret laboratory where they develop specific drugs that they give to the mutants to, I don't know, drug them, I guess. Yep. And one of them is labeled Dazzler. So Beast puts the pieces together. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, and at some point, Beast gets drugged, and he gets put in the gladiator ring, and then you truly get your Beauty and the Beast moment, where Dazzler and Beast are fighting, and they get to a point where I think Dazzler's winning. I don't remember, but uh, she kind of snaps out of it. Beast kind of snaps out of. It. He's like, oh, "I'm fighting the drug, but I'm I'm crazy," uh, and everybody's like, "Kill him, kill him," and that's when. Dazzler's like, oh, that's all you want. All you want is blood. All you want me to do is kill people. I can't do it. That's when Dr. Doom's kid takes over and kills the human manager who we learn in issue four is actually just a robot. Right. Maybe the butler wasn't a robot. I think the butler was a man, but um, it doesn't matter. So it turns out that Dr. Doom has planted this person into his son's life, I guess, to manage him. I don't know. Sure. The the So issue four, um, Dr. Doom is throughout this issue constantly talking about chess pieces as though he has manipulated any of this. It drove me crazy. He does stand above all of the action and he's like, oh, now the pawns are falling. Because he's just like, it is my move. Here comes the pawns. Oh, it's the final strike. But you can't talk like that if you have nothing to do with what's going on. It, it, he's just there. <laughs> it did seem 
in the first three issues that like, okay, Dr. Doom's coming. He's coming. Yeah, it was just like hey, a reminder, Dr. Doom's in the story. And sure enough, in episode four or issue four, he shows up and kind of hangs out and takes credit for everything that happens. And does nothing. <laughs> nope. He doesn't do a single thing. He does interact with Beast and Dazzler at the end, but but then he's like, you're not worthy of me killing you, so I'm out of here. Peace out, y'all. <laughs> Peace out, homies. Doom out. <laughs> so, Drop the mic. Yeah, so totally agree. And then, uh, you know, at the end, everything's kind of wrapped up. Uh, the, the, the people that were kind of participating in the gladiators, there was kind of a good faction and a bad faction. Good faction's like, let's start over and do a real theater and make things right. And uh, Dazzler and Beast, they go back to the Heartbreak Hotel for one last night. Because they, they did, I guess, fall in love with one another throughout this series. So they thought. And then uh, at the end, they say, ah, I guess it wasn't really love that we felt. Yeah, Dazzler's or Beast says something like, you were just running away into acting. And Dazzler says something like, yeah, just like you were running away into a relationship. I.e., neither of these things is We were both so insecure about our mutants heads that we we found camaraderie right um yeah so that's dumb yeah. and i don't think it ever gets talked about again do dazzler and beast ever like bump into each other and like hey what's going remember that thing it's been it's been all right how you been there's a very good <laughs> chance that we did it <laughs> um green girl constantly uh so so horseman uh rejects dr doom's son's um leadership because he realizes he's crazy mm -hmm. um green girl also realizes he's crazy but just keeps on siding with him because it's just like this is what this is i'm i'm nothing and therefore i should just be like this these people um i have no value whatsoever and there's this weird thing about family where it's like oh she won't be with her, her family but Dazzler, Beast, and Horseman really aren't her family. Her family is the other people that she is siding with. That kind of annoyed me. Um, the other thing that annoyed me, uh, so Poltergeist and Link, mm -hmm. we were tracking them through the full issue four. They first really appeared in issue three. Weren't I don't they... know why Link is wearing a black suit in this issue. He has white face in all the other issues. Weren't they into, well, that's part of his mutant ability, right? Like his mood is portrayed in his face. Which is more like a mime face. Oh, is it? I don't know. I thought he was wearing masks in that one scene. I don't know. Okay, well, that, but, that, that's fine. <laughs> so he starts uh, using his telekinetic uh, powers to crush the throats of people that he encounters. So he kills like one, two, three, four people before he starts to kill Dr. Doom's son with his power. And B says, no. You don't want to do this. You, it's too far. You don't want to kill somebody. And it's just like, you're right. I don't want to kill somebody. What about the other four people you already killed? Yeah. Did he actually kill those four people or did he just render them unconscious? He, I don't know. There's, 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 there's nothing to say either way, but it sure seems like he, he kills them. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess, I guess, uh, the bottom line is, if you're an avid X-Men, Beast, or Dazzler fan, there's no reason to read this. There's nothing here for you. The very last page, for some reason, 
the artist decided to do a slow, like he starts with, there's nine panels. He starts with an extreme close-up of Beast and Dazzler's face and starts zooming out all the way into space, to which I say, why? To show how alone we really are. This has nothing to do with anything, (laughs) with what they're talking about. I don't know. I think that this was a a dramatic and epic way to end this um, four-part series i think i think the real crime here is that uh at least as far as the issue says there were 60 days between each issue so there's really no excuse for poor writing i feel like Santi really didn't make a full effort on this one yeah or she like pulled something that she wrote when she was like 15 and just <laughs> threw beast and dazzler into it it's interesting as a piece of writing that doesn't work but you can see all the dots they just never connect yeah. Kind of like Star Wars episodes one through three. <laughs> you can see all the dots, but the writing is so poor. They just, they ne- it never gels properly. Uh, you really just have to use your imagination. I would take uh, Star Wars one through three over this any day. Well, it you know, <laughs> I, I, if this were a movie, it would probably be as good as Star Wars one through three. It'd have a terrible love story and some action scenes and a, and a gladiatorial fight. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. It's, it's basically the same thing. My least favorite part of that entire trilogy was that stupid gladiatorial fight. And there's a, there's a lot to not like there, but anyways. So next week I'll complain about the Iceman limited series. Have you started reading the Iceman mini miniseries, Adam? No, I haven't, but I skimmed through it and it looks bad. Mm. I can't wait to talk to you about it. Okay. Stay tuned for that next time, folks. So drop us a line at dangerroom at redcapproductions.com, facebook.com forward slash dangerroom podcast, at dangerroom go, go out to iTunes. Search up the podcast section for Danger Room, for the Danger Room podcast. We'll be the first podcast that shows up. Leave us some uh, feedback. Leave us some comments. Uh, leave us some stars, what have you. Uh, subscribe. And you can visit us at our webpage, www.xmenpodcast.com, where you can get all of the episodes plus much, much more. And finally, you can leave us a holiday or non-denominational time of year message at 501-GET-X-MEN. Let us know what you think about us dividing up the episodes this way. We may listen. Yes, we may. and un- We may not. <laughs> Probably. We'll definitely listen. <laughs> Whether we do something about it. <laughs> totally different story. But until next time, uh, my name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed. Season's upon us, it's that time of year. Brandy and eggnog, there's plenty of cheer. There's lights on the trees and there's wreaths to be hung. There's mischief and mayhem and songs to be sung. There's bells and there's holly, the kids are gung-ho. True love finds a kiss beneath fresh mistletoe. Some families are messed up while others are fine. If you think yours is crazy, well, you should see mine.